Welcome to the Theology of Work podcast. The Theology of Work project exists to provide a biblical perspective on faith and work. This episode features an interview with Catherine Larry Alstorff, conducted by Katrina Rowe of Hope 103.2 Mornings in Sydney, Australia. Here's Katrina Rowe with Catherine Larry Alstorff. I'm speaking with Catherine Leary Alsdorf. She's the founder and emeritus director of the Redeemer Centre for Faith and Work. Now, welcome to Australia, Catherine. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to be here this week. I'm sorry our weather has been slightly appalling for you. We're looking forward to getting outside today. It's a beautiful sunny day today. So thank you for that. Now, Catherine, you have been the CEO of a number of companies. So tell us briefly, what was the highlight of your professional career? I actually didn't seek to be a CEO, but it happened three times. I think the highlight really was taking a company that was not functioning very well internally, um, where there was not a lot of teamwork, there was not a lot of real focus on the customer, and trying to really bring an entirely new culture where everyone's gifts were being recognized and put to use and people were working well together and we were really getting a lot of joy and pride at creating a product that um, was really going to be of use, significant use to our customers. Mm -hmm. And how did your um, approach to your career change after you became a Christian? I can honestly say that it took a very long time for me to figure out Uh, what I should be doing distinctively and differently as a Christian. Um, So a little bit at a time, God worked on me. In the beginning, I really just wanted to not do anything horribly embarrassing (laughs) to God. And so I worked on the little superficial things like my language and all those kinds of things. But over time, I I think that... um, Work was a crucible that shaped me, that drew me more uh, to God. And I think the challenges were often in how do I love the people who work with me, especially when the pressure was on, when we were trying to raise money, and if we didn't get a product out the door by a certain date, the money was all going to disappear. At those times, I could get so frustrated with the team that said they were going to do this and didn't deliver or whatever. And at some point... I started a practice of just showing up about an hour earlier and walking from cube to cube, desk to desk, and praying for each person, all 125 people in the company. And I think God just would continue to try to work on my heart so that I was there loving people instead of just using them for the purposes of the company. Now, I know that as a woman um, in the high-tech industry, you did have some interesting moments, didn't you? Can you tell us about some time when you encountered, I guess, a little bit of sexism, (laughs) that kind of thing? Did that ever happen? Well, you know, in 1976, I became part of the aerospace industry. I was working as a consultant, an economic consultant to NASA, and there weren't many women at all in that industry. And so, yes, there were a number of challenges. I was 
extremely fortunate to work with a small group of men that invested in me. Um, but early on, they, they basically wouldn't let me talk to a client without talking to them first and practicing what I was going to say. So I was groomed. I was very um, well-groomed. But maybe the most dramatic incident was my first business trip out without my more senior male colleagues with our very high-level customer from NASA. So I was nervous. And so here we are out to dinner, and it was the worst possible thing that could have happened. A extremely beautiful and sexy waitress comes up to our table, and she did capture my client's attention. He was just enjoying talking to her and finding out all about her life, and he was just delighting in her. And I'm sitting there feeling extraordinarily uncomfortable, and then as she walks away, he said, see her? She's a fox. You?" You got to make up your mind. You're going to be a career woman or a fox. Right now, you're not doing very well at either. <laughs> That's a shocker. And how did you respond to that? I was speechless. <laughs> and I went home that night, and I have to tell you, I really didn't know which one I wanted to choose. <laughs> But I needed the job. And the next morning, I got up, and I put my hair in a bun, and I put on the little tightest collar, little man-like tie I could find, and I made the decision to try to be as unfox-like as possible <laughs> for the next couple of years of my career. Well, certainly the career did, did sort of take off. Now, I have to say, even though you have had what people would consider an incredibly successful career, you've had some really low points as well. And I know that for a fact that one of the lowest points was when a company that you were the CEO of went bankrupt or hit the end of the road. Tell us a little bit about that experience and, and what you learned from that. Yes, I took over the CEO role of a company called Pensari from the founder. So it was a it was a turnaround. I knew that, but I felt like God had called me to it and that I was had the right experience to try to pull it out and so we we worked very hard. But at the same time, the market the financial markets for internet companies were collapsing. So the internet bubble had burst. We eventually lined up a bunch of buyers, and 18 hours before we were to sign the contract, which would have had a sold to a company that could, would have kept the jobs and continued the product line and serviced the customers, the buyer backed out. The next Monday morning, I had to lay off the entire company, and we were done. And so I was, I was just devastated. I, I was still a relatively new Christian. I'd only been a Christian for about nine years at that point. I was mad at God. I thought, why do you give me things and then not, not let it succeed? I, was, I told you I was going to give you all the glory. Why didn't it succeed? And um, I really spent six months wrestling with God, saying, I need to understand this calling thing. And you did have a wonderful moment that you didn't expect as well, didn't you, when you actually had to deliver the news about what had happened to the company. And you got a, quite a remarkable response to that. There's no worse moment in my life than standing in front of all those people and saying, not only are we done, but 
I can't pay you after today. It's over. And knowing what effect that would have on their lives. And so there's, of course, this horrible dead silence after I give the news. And then eventually someone in the back of the room stands up and says, I just want to give Catherine and her management team a huge round of applause for how hard they've worked, how hard they've gotten us to work, and how we almost pulled it off. And the entire company stood up and applauded and applauded and applauded. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> it took really quite a while for me to accept what had happened, the grace that had happened in that moment. Um, one of my staff came into my office and said, I know you can't appreciate how extraordinary um, what just happened was, but I want you to never forget it so that you can come back and visit it when you're ready to accept the love and the grace that was offered there. Mm. Now, so often our work is intertwined with our identity and, and whether we like it or not, and no matter how much we seek to define ourselves in God, our, our society does still also define us by what we do. So how do we deal with that issue as Christians? Yes, I, you know, when I left the corporate world, the technology business startup world, which is a pretty sexy kind of job to be in, um, I definitely enjoyed the identity that went along with that. And when I left that to go back to New York from Silicon Valley and work for a church, I was probably the most concerned about my identity. I was concerned identity first, income change second, and I guess sort of future third. It was, it was pretty interesting. There were definitely people that were my friends before that had no interest in me once I decided to work for a church that I would not be able to get them their next job, so no. who cares? And so, I mean, that's, that's always startling when you, when you go through that. But I think that God was making me um, more truthful about my idols. I think prior to that, I'd said, oh, you know, I'm working here in business because God called me here. And when God called me somewhere else, I found I wasn't quite as obedient. And so it was just very helpful. Um, it cleaned up my, I guess, internal hypocrisy that um, I, in fact, was liking God when he gave me what I wanted, but when he gave me something that wasn't going to be quite as cool, I was not quite as happy. So it's been a good thing. It's been a good refining process. Now, just briefly, because this is a big question, um, but should we expect to find meaning and purpose in our work? We are made to work. God created us in his image, and he gave us a, a mandate to go out and create culture with all the wonderful resources of this world. And yet, a few chapters later in De Genesis, um, because of our rebellion against God, our work became extraordinarily frustrated. The question of can we be expected to find meaning in our work is a tricky one. We were made to do it, and yet it's going to be hard by definition. Um, so I guess the easy answer is we're not, we can't expect to find easy meaning, but I think there is a wonderful sense of living out our humanity, our humanness, 
when we are using our gifts to the benefit of the world that we live in, um, we're using our gifts to God's glory. And there is meaning in overcoming some of the brokenness in the world. Or even if we can't overcome it, sometimes all we can do is stand against it. We can find meaning through any work that we're doing at any moment in time if we seek God's purposes for doing that work. So what would you then say to someone who's feeling unfulfilled in their life or their work and they're looking to really find their purpose or their calling? How do you approach that? I think in our culture, we too often think it's a change of job that will make us happier, um, when in fact it's a change of how we approach our job. Now that's not to say that sometimes we have selected our job for all the wrong reasons. For example, we've selected a job that will uh, pay us more over a job that we would love because we want the things that job can give us as opposed to loving the work itself. And I think in those cases, we need to really look at what's gotten us to this job and are some of those things, um, things that are really burdening us as opposed to leading us to the work that we were built to do and made to do. Um, in your work with the Redeemer Centre for Faith and Work, um, that's been a, a really great tool for people there. I know that we're looking at having something like that here. So how are you hoping that that would help the people of Sydney? It's been a really fun project to help um, a church, in our case, create a whole series of programs that help people live out their faith more fully in whatever their work is. So I am excited that Sydney is approaching um, doing that with churches uh, combining their efforts. I think that's got a lot of promise. I think the main thing is that we are attempting to help the church itself see itself not just as the church gathered on Sunday for worship, but the church is the people working in every institution in culture out there in the city of Sydney in the country of Australia and so I think the biggest promise is in equipping us to distinctively work for God's glory in whatever context he's called us to the real hope for Sydney for Australia here is that when we mobilize all the congregations of all the churches to see themselves as the church in their place of work, we really um, have the potential to change the culture of workplaces from being self-serving to society-serving. We have the opportunity to honor people's gifts in a way that might not be in our contemporary culture. We have the opportunity to value human relationship in a way that um, often is just sort of mechanized as we're just a cog in the wheel of making some um, product or service happen. So I think, I think God wants us out there because he has a picture of what our society could be and should be that is so much more glorious than what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, thank you so much. I've been speaking with Catherine Leary Olsdorf. She's the founder and Demetrius director of Redeemer Centre for Faith and Work in New York City, and she's been visiting us in, here in Sydney. That was Catherine Leary Olsdorf, interviewed by Katrina Rowe of Hope 103.2 Mornings. Visit their website at hope1032.com.au.
www.theologyofwork.au. For complete show notes, go to theologyofwork.org slash resources slash Catherine interview. Join us for the next podcast, which will feature a talk by Andy Mills.